Welcome to LJ's Open Forum, and I'm Michelle Johnson, your host. I'm glad to be with you again on this wonderful day. And today, my topic will be back to Rose's story. We've left it for a little bit, but I do not want to um, lose the time that we have with family history in the African-American community. And I want to talk a little bit today about my brother, John Irvin Little Jr. He was a great guy, but he also had his demons but he also was one of the best brothers you ever want to have. And I want to talk a little bit about him today. You know on LJ's Open Forum podcast, you can get to me on Spotify, on Breaker, Apple Podcasts. You can look at me on I, you can listen to me on iHeartRadio. You can also look, listen to me on Overcast, as well as many other platforms. Please leave your comments and ratings on these platforms and please subscribe to LJ's Open Forum Podcast on Spotify, on Apple, on Breaker, on Overcast, on Google Podcasts. I want to hear from you. I want to hear you rate me, talk about me, good or bad, and subscribe so that you'll get these podcasts ahead of time rather than waiting for me to give them out to you on social media. You know you got to talk to me on social media. LJ's Open Forum Podcast on Instagram at LJ's Open Forum Pod 1 on Twitter at LJ's Open Forum Podcast on Facebook. Please talk to me. Let me know how you like it. Leave your messages. Leave your likes and your dislikes. But today we're going to be talking about my brother John Irvin Little Jr. And we're going to talk about his great parts but also the parts that were not so great. And again, we go back in history when we talk about my family and we talk about generational issues that move forward in life um, that are really tapped on back when my grandmother Rosa was born with her grandfather. So with her father, not grandfather. And those things move forward in the family. So I want to talk about that. That's part of my platform is to talk about how we can be better in the future by learning from what happened in the past. So when you look at those stories and you look at my brother, John R. Little Jr. was born January 19, 1950. Now to give you a little background on my brother, because I was born in 1965, which means he was already, what, 15 years older than me. When I was born, he was 15. And my mother and my grandmother would tell me stories about him when he was little. He was a little guy. He was always inquisitive. He always was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And my grandmother said it seems as if it was like some sort of a a veil or something on him that would always happen to him. So So let's start with one of the first stories. The first story is this. When my parents lived in the South and they lived in Statesville, North Carolina, at one point my dad was doing a little sharecropper, sharecropping and he was working for a um, owner of the land. So he did a little bit of that, and then after he stopped it, because it really, as we talked about sharecropping in the past, you know, they had to divide the crop with you, and sometimes you just didn't get it. If you're African-American, you weren't going to get the same as somebody else. So what would happen is, my dad decided to just like work for people. Those were part of his job. So they had a property, and they, on the property, they had a rooster, they had some chickens, they had some, you know, little little um, cow, things of that nature on their little farm my father tried to have. Well, one day, 
when my brother was outside, and of course, remember, wrong place, wrong time for Junior, he started playing around and get what this dude does. I really, the story ran like this. My grandmother said that the rooster was chasing my brother around all the time. Like he would see my brother and chase my brother. And one day he was chasing my brother. He jumped on his head and started pecking at his head. Of course, my brother started bleeding. My mom came out. They grabbed him, brought him in the house and started to attend to him. Now, get this. I do believe in some aspect that maybe my brother was kind of messing with that rooster, but nobody told the story in that way. So when dad gets home from work, he sees Junior's head and goes berserk. He chased the rooster around to get the rooster. He chased the rooster so much that the rooster fell out from exhaustion and died. Okay? So then, that was one story. The rooster died, my brother was fine, my mother and them, but I think the rooster could have been murdered for the wrong reasons. Don't you all think that out there? Like, I think, you know, my brother was always in the wrong place at the wrong time, and my older brother was always pushing him because he was after my older brother, so he would try to live up to the older brother's theories and go out and do things. So I think they might have been messing with Mr. Rooster, and when Dad got home and found out my brother was injured, he proceeded to kill the rooster by running him to death. That story, I don't know, but that could have happened. So as I, as you know, my parents struggled. They didn't have a lot of money. Um, they didn't have a lot of things to, to feel like they were able to succeed out here in the society. Because remember in the South, during that time, you rode on the back of the bus. So there were Jim Crow laws. There were um, social things that you could not do as an African-American person. There were things that they put in place for African-Americans that, that they could not, you know, eat vanilla ice cream on a day except on the 4th of July. These are things that used to go on back then in these different states and counties. So when you looked at it, my brother always was in the wrong place at the wrong time. So get this, second story. And I told you this story. When my dad was out plying, plowing the fields with a, with a mule and he pulled the plow, so he was plowing the grass. My brother, Junior, again, my oldest brother, Mike, kept saying, stay out of the way, stay out of the way. Junior kept moving forward. The plow cuts his foot down to the back of the ankle. My mother comes out. My father puts him in the truck, you know, to take, bring him home with his foot dangling in the truck, didn't wrap it up, bleeding all over the place. He gets home to the house. I think that's the part of the story I missed on the last few episodes. But when he gets to the house, my mother, the hero, runs out ties, takes the shirt off my father's back, ties his foot around, wraps it all around to try to stop the blood and get it wrapped up. They go to the hospital. Um, my brother's in surgery for some hours, as they told the story, some hours. You know, they had to do all that, put a cast on his foot, get everything done. They said if my mother didn't do what she did, he would have lost his foot. Due to this, um, foot injury. My brother was never able to play football, which he, he was fantastic at. He was never able to join the um, Marines because of the foot injury, which in a way, back in the 70s, I, I'm glad he didn't. I'm glad late 60, early 70, he wasn't able to join. But those are some of the things that happened to him when he was young. And a child, he was inquisitive, as I said, and he was always in the wrong place at the wrong time. So, Junior was really my father's first biological son because Mike's father, as I told in the story with my mother before 
in the past episodes that she was raped when she was younger. She was pregnant. She had a baby. And that baby was Michael Irvin, Michael Richard, sorry, Gant. And so when he had, when my mom was pregnant with Junior, and my, her and my father were not married, let me get this story straight, my grandmother basically put the shotgun up and they ended up getting married. That's to, to solve that issue. So John Irvin Little Junior was Junior. Now Junior could go by a few names. Junior was going by Irvin, Irv, um, he was going by Junior. I would call him Junior all the time because of that. People outside called him Irv, Irvin. And when he joined the motorcycle club, he was Mad Dog. That was his name. He was nicknamed was Mad Dog. But he was a very smart um, person. Now, to give you a little um, bit on this and a little reasoning, too, that remember when I talked about my mother, my uncle, and them, they never really learned to read. And when I, when I saw this later on in life, in my teens and early, late teens and early 20s, I started to, to really believe the story that maybe they were dyslexic and they had some type of reading disability because my brother Junior did too. He was fantastic, straight A's in math, but could not grasp the reading module. He couldn't learn how to read. He did not read well at all. And so that tells me that they, they could have been, it could have been dyslexia running in the family and it could have been a reading disability that we don't know of because during those times, you know, they didn't test people. So he was always kind of behind the eight ball. And it makes you sad because he was just a brilliant person, very smart. But he struggled to read and didn't really know how to read. So those things that you look at, you always try to determine what really happens in families when you go back in history. And when I look at that, I always say that, hey, when, you, when we don't look at history, we're doomed to repeat it and we don't understand truly what is really going on so I just I decided later on in life just to to ask my mother who didn't read well didn't write well and she had to go back to um programs to learn my brother did attempt to go to a program but really didn't finish it and they always struggle in situations where it was required that you needed to read at church at different functions so it was, that's a hard thing to, to and it makes you feel um, weak or it makes you feel ashamed that you're unable to do that. And those are some of the things where you go back and look that contributed to that. Now, my brother did some fast, fantastic things. He got married very young. He had a daughter, one daughter. That's the only child he ever had was that one daughter that I know of, that I really know of. That's um, my niece, Tanita, he had her. He was married was married for a while now all of the fantastic things that he did and people just loved my brother they loved his conversation they loved how he he dealt with people how he treated people how he understood things he you know he never went to jail he never got into gang issues he didn't he he didn't do any of that he was just a great all-around person but you know when we all have our great all-around people we do have some demons and so for him, he was controlling. He wanted to control. Let's go back to my episode one of Rosa's story when we talked about our great-great-grandfather, Cullen Rucker, who was, what you say, very controlling. And they said he was a very mean man, a very um, hateful man. And 
but we don't know much about the reason for the meanness or hatefulness because he was born into slavery we don't know how he was treated in his childhood so we have to look at that in order to understand it I can't tell Colin Rucker's story because I did not see him as a child and a teenager only my grandmother and my her siblings could tell us about what he was like to them now my brother was very very wonderful to me to other family members except for some instances that we'll talk about but very controlling um, and very mean sometimes and then on the opposite and loving to the women he was with so his first wife ended up divorcing him due to the due to her treatment by him and those are and then she left with his daughter and that had a stain on that relationship he worked for Firestone for years he worked for um, trucking companies for years that's what he did he drove trucks he worked for Firestone for most of his life and then for a trucking company in the second half until he was injured in the truck and then at that time there were a few things that went on now in the midst of all of this he met other women and he was still had those same problems and they would be breakups they would be fights and those were the things that would happen but one day he was riding his motorcycle and at that time he had a honda motorcycle he was riding he was in allentown and he was in an accident with the motorcycle his leg was broken his arm was broken he had marks all over him from the, the landing thank god he had a helmet on but he was in a terrible accident and he he was in the hospital for quite a while and in the hospital he met an x-ray technician and at that time she came home with him and they ended up getting married and her, she had a daughter and they all moved in together except for his first child felt like she was not treated right and the child of the woman he married was treated better. So those things stained that relationship forever, basically. And they never recovered. It never recovered. And I don't think it, it never recovered. I don't think my brother, and these are some of, again, the, the, the things that when you look at he, in someone's life, there's two things. There's that wonderful person that everyone else sees, but that's a, there's another t- totally different person that the other that the women in his life saw his daughter his wives included his controlling nature ruined the relationship an example would be you would want to go out somewhere and and I would ask your your wife to go to dinner a, 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 a girl's night out and he would say no and then the wife would say no she couldn't go with all the, the rest of the women that were going out and he would pick the person up every day from work even though they live right next to the trolley and they could take the trolley to work. So those are all of the things that he would con- he, he controlled with. I think his life started to spiral a little bit when he got into motorcycle clubs and he started um, running with a club in Philadelphia on 60th from Market, which he became like the president, vice president of the club. Everybody loved him. He was, if you wanted great Barbecue Ridge, this guy could 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 grill his butt off. He could grill his butt off. So, you know, I would see him from those events and those things, which everybody loved him. He traveled all around on his motorcycles. He went from that Honda 
that was that was total to a Harley that he he rode with. He really didn't take care of his life well. He didn't um, see the doctor regularly for any issues that that happened because of his ankle that was fused together from the accident in out in um, Allentown, PA, when he was riding that Honda motorcycle years prior. Um, he absolutely loved sports. We love sports together. We every Monday night football, we my brother and I were together and his wife. Um, every Sunday we were together watching sports. We got together every weekend and saw each other every weekend and watched football and we would be screaming and hollering and yelling and, and just having those were the times that I remember most as being wonderful as we all were together we enjoyed but you didn't know what happened after you were not there but I loved him to the moon and back and even wished that he could fix the issues that were going on in his mind um, in reference to controlling and and fix his relationship with his daughter so that everything could work right but he was a person that was strong to me he was a he was almost a hero to me even even with all of the the issues that went on the other side was good so I know overall that he would have received help because you know the black community doesn't want to look at um, mental health they don't want to look at getting the help of a psychologist or psychiatrist so they, they just bury themselves in the issues that they had and they don't they don't we don't try to fix them but I think that's starting to change in our communities I think we're starting to learn how to fix the things that go on if you're out there and you have anger issues and you can't control them or you want to control everything around you you do need to, you have to come to a conclusion that you need assistance and you need help and you have to go get it and that's where our um, mental health programs are they're there for you they're there for people with medical benefits and those without medical benefits they are there to help there are groups of people that get together to talk about their issues you know to look at why they're so angry or why they want to control people so or why they want to hit you that those are the things that can make them stop and look back or those people that don't they don't fight back they always go along with everything they never say no they don't know how to say no they're just a yes yes remember that movie where the guy had to turn around everything he said yes to yes to so those people also need help but my brother was the person that would step up and would be there to help you that's the one thing he would come to help you but on the other end you never knew what was going on there was one story where you know it was it was a story where you look at anger and you look at the fact that my brother was in an, uh, in a club and he, he had just bought a car and they started to argue in the club and everybody goes outside you know how you have those fights and the arguing my brother leaves and comes back with my other brother and my cousin and they they start to rumble and fight those are the things that went on back in the day but nobody pulled guns and shot at each other they just argued and fought and you never talked about it again those are where we were at compared to now you leave the bar you want to come back with a group of people y'all want to start a shootout so the good thing about that then was that people back in the 70s and 80s they used their fists a lot more than when and, and rather than going to look for a gun he worked hard my brother owned his house when he was like 23 years old he bought a house, paid a mortgage, and paid that house off. That house still stands today. My, my um, sister-in-law lives there. 
um, sister-in-law of my oldest brother who passed away recently lives in that house but my brother worked hard and paid his mortgage he was loved by many you know you know when you look at people they talk hey they'd be like junior or they would be Irv or bad dog we gotta you know let's go out I want to see how he's doing those are all the things that were fantastic about my brother but then there were the other things that pulled him away from the family the things that pulled him away were like you know he started to he would lean more towards people he didn't know whether rather than his family he would give his money to them rather than his family there was one time when my father was sick and he was struggling really struggling because he had no money and he couldn't drive trucks so he was ill and he wanted to be able to move move through life to have a little bit of money to pay the mortgage on our house to pay the gas electric phone and water bill my brother had a case um, from falling, the one that I said earlier that he had an injury um, driving a truck, and he got $80,000 after, um, basically after the lawyers took their percentage, and he did not give my mother or father a dime. Those were the things that pulled him away from the family when he knew my father was sick. My father had cancer and was basically during that time fighting cancer. My father fought cancer for literally 15 years until he passed away in 1997. And my brother knew he had no money and knew he needed help and with bills and my, and my mother needed help. And he gave them nothing, not a dime. He said, no one tells me what to do with my money. And those are the things that helped him pull downhill. Those hateful things, that hateful side of things that he would go to. So he began to have like a not too healthy life. Um, it was heart conditions and um, diabetes, things of that nature that started to pull him down. Um, he ran with the motorcycle club where he ate terribly. He, you know, they, they, they're taking, you know, little drugs. They're doing things that they shouldn't, shouldn't be doing, messing with coke back in those days and time. And he was loved by many, but he had those issues. The, the, the not forgiveness issues or the hateful issues or carry a grudge issues. Those are the things that drove him um, where he could not fix the relationship with his daughter. He could not fix the relationships with his second wife. His second wife ended up leaving him and divorced him just as the first wife did. He met another young lady that was living with him for a long period of time and she left, not a long, a short period of time. She left him. She said he was a wonderful guy, but she just could not deal with his anger, and she left. Then he went out with another girl during his motorcycle club years, during the late 90s. That young lady stayed with him until his death. And my brother passed away in 2001. He passed away of a heart attack, and she found him at home where he had died, and he had fell in the bathroom. And that's where he died. But he died never being able to, to um, what is the word, to mend his relationship with his daughter, mend the relationships with people that he didn't treat right or he felt didn't treat him right. He could not mend those relationships. He was a person that would give, give, give if he didn't know you, but if it was a family member, he seemed to con want to control it and not give. And there are a lot of people out there, just as I said, his second wife comes in with a daughter he treats he treats her like she is his daughter 
but he does not remember his first daughter and that stained that relationship until his death after his death his daughter did not want his house she did not want to even come in to change it into her name and sell it she definitely didn't want to live there and she definitely did not want to be involved and she did not want nothing that he had and she left that house sitting there and that's when my oldest brother went to move in with his um his fiance and then later on his wife they were there until my brother oldest brother also died in that house and he was sick from heart condition and he was sick to the end and he laid there on the bed in the dining room and he passed away prior to that my brother junior passed away in the bathroom on the floor so they both died in that house and my brother did not my oldest brother did not want to leave to go to the hospital he wanted to pass away in that home so we look at we look at the life of people and say that hey you could you live the life I think he lived the full life I do but I think he missed he is half full because he missed so many things he missed the relationship with his oldest biological daughter that he could have like groomed and bloomed a relationship with her and he didn't. And then he missed, he messed up relationships with her mother as well as the next young lady he married and then the next lady he was with until the one that was left found him on the floor dead. And at his funeral, she said, I wished I would have married him when he asked instead of waited because we never were able to get married. Now, let me tell you, that funeral, my brother's funeral, Junior, John Irvin Little Jr., was one of the biggest funerals you ever want to be within in Philadelphia. You had motorcycle members coming or people that knew him coming from Texas on a motorcycle. You were, you were brought in to the funeral by a brigade of nothing but motorcycles, hundreds of motorcycles. The, the church couldn't fit the people in it. They had to stand around the church and outside and attempt to hear the funeral. That is how much he was beloved by people. He was beloved, but people still didn't know the other part of him that would have stained it. But the funeral was one of the biggest and one of the most beautiful funerals you ever want to see. You know, you had a gun salute at the cemetery where they shot off guns after the funeral was over. That's how much the people in the motorcycle club loved him. That's how much the people that were not in motorcycle clubs loved him. He was there for a lot of people, but like I said, not sometimes for other family members, the ones he didn't want to be there for. So when I talk about family, there's always a generational issue. Like I said, he had some of that hatred and anger that our great grandfather had. But when we don't talk about these hatred and angers, you can't learn from them. He needed help with that as a child. He needed help with it as a teenager and then as an adult. Let's, let's sum it up. We still don't want to talk about mental health issues that we need. Please, people, if you have these symptoms, if you're angry all the time, if you're not angry and can never say no and let people run through you or run over you or you're the person running over running through sometimes you need to sit down and get a little help and find out why you're this way because you may not know you may not know why and you may and, and sometimes that could give you a help it can make you understand why i'm treating myself this way or why am i treating my family or my friends or my wife or my husband this way because you can live a full life, but you don't want to live a life half empty. You want a full life. 
You want, don't want half good and then half bad. And that's what my brother's life was. He had a great half a life and then a terrible another half a life where one was covered and one was open. So again, please listen to that. Understand how we can change ourselves and we can be better when we lose the control. You can't, that's what is straight. You're not going to control everything. You're really not going to control much. When you want to control everything, what happens? It blows up in front of you. It ruins your mind. So we won't, we don't want to control everything. We want to try to maneuver around it and make things work in our lives and make things successful. That's what we want to do and be happy and have a wonderful life and grow in our lives and grow in our attitudes and grow in how we work with each other and how we deal with our spouses and our girlfriends and boyfriends. We want to be able to speak up and tell the truth so that they understand what you, where you're coming from. Don't hide it. Bring it out. Say what's wrong. Those are all the things we need to do. But when I talk about Rosa's, Rosa's story, these are all part of our history. And if my mother and them would have known about my grandfather, they might have been able to help Junior a little bit more. And maybe he wouldn't have that second terrible part of his life. So again, you're listening to LJ's Open Forum Podcast, and I'm Michelle Johnson, your host. And I want you to know that you can pick me up on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Breaker, Overcast, iTunes. Listen to me. You can listen to me on social media, which is Twitter, LJ's Open Forum Pod, Instagram, at LJ's Open Forum, my Facebook page, LJ's Open Forum Podcast. As long as you put in LJ's Open Forum Podcast, you're going to always reach me. Don't forget, I got a website www.ljsopenformpodcast.com and let's just say Trump signals whatever Trump is doing watch out listen what he's doing is taking away the $600 and giving you $400 on your unemployment then he wants to give us a tax break get this a tax break on federal taxes people watch out because you're not going to get any income tax in the year of 2021. So you might as well just forget it. But I'm going to tell you what. I like to get the tax break because I like my money up front. I'm not worrying about unemployment. I'm not worrying about what? I'm not worrying about taxes for 2021. Because I'm not going to get much. My kid is grown. Me and my husband are here. We in our mid-50s. And we're not going to see that money. So we're not worried. We're going to enjoy it on both of our jobs as we get it now. But again, people, what did I say? You've got to vote. Don't forget the platforms. Don't forget to register to vote this fall. Get everything in order because what's going to happen is you don't want them back for a second term, do you? This is LJ Open Forum Podcast. It's been real, people. I will be coming back with another Rosa Story family member next. Not next week, but the week after that. You will be hearing again from my co-host, Jane Johnson, my husband, who will be talking about the conversation, what's going on in our community, what's happening around town, and how we can make it all better in our neighborhoods. Because people, it ain't like it used to be. And that's not necessarily a good thing. So I'm going to say bye from LJ.